pretty crazy how this happened. I'm gonna get, I know I told you the name of the podcast is Nonchalant. I'm gonna get a little chalant right now. Okay. We were actually at dinner when we DM'd you. We were kind of thinking about how to riz you, get you, get you on the podcast. And we're <laughs> thinking, we'll plant the seed right now. Maybe in like six months, we fly out to Dubai, we make something happen. But as, like, as we're about to type something up, the sushi comes in, we start chomping. After we're done, Max checks his phone, you're in LA. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we can make this happen as second guest. So I appreciate you moving quick. No, bro, it's, uh, I like to spend as little time in the US as humanly possible. So uh, I thought, hey, you know, cause I'm here. And as I said, I'm not doing any more podcasts for a while, uh, but you're the one person I'll make an exception for. Brother, why do you say you don't wanna be in the US? Uh, a myriad of different reasons. Um, but I think, let me put it this way. I also do wanna clarify that my experience of America isn't the true America. I've been to LA, I've been to Miami, I've been to New York, all these places, you know, quite a few times for business. I feel like New York is the most authentic version of those three. Uh, I need to spend a little bit more time in middle America. I need to spend a little bit more time in some rural places. Uh, and I think I'll probably get more of the true essence of what America is actually like. So I say I don't like America. I think I've just from a young age not been fond of America when it comes to geopolitics, America's involvement in many different places in the world. But as a people, uh, I do like the American spirit. And there are things I do definitely adore about America. I just haven't had the time to go to the right places to truly experience it. Yeah, I mean, we understand with LA especially, it's it's pretty crazy what's going on. I mean, most people are gone now. Mm. <laughs> it really seems like a ghost town here. Sorry to interrupt you, but it really is it's weird. There's like a weird aura here. Uh, you talked earlier about this house, man. You kind of freaked me out. <laughs> what, what, what was that about? You talking about goat sacrifices? No, no. I'm, basically, it's, there was a little mix up with uh, our other place. And, you know, we ended up having to uh, get accommodations sorted last minute. And this place is obviously, you know, massive, very nice. This is a place that uh, Post Malone always stays at, apparently. But it just gives me, LA gives me creepy vibes. And then, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, anything, any place I know that, like, a superstar has stayed at, I don't know, it just gives me even your vibes are you a religious man i am i've prayed since a young age mm -hmm. uh, religion is i've always believed in god religion is something that i think religion is really one of those things that should remain private uh, i am religious uh, and i just feel like i'm gonna be entirely honest i've noticed in the last couple of years that people will weaponize religion and people will use religion to garner a specific audience that they feel is useful to them. So that's why also for me, I will take a photo and I'll interact with fans anywhere except for two places, which is my home and place of worship. Place of worship is just one place that is between me and God. That's the one place for me to be me and no one else. Um, so to answer your question, I am religious. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of picked up on some of the videos you've made. Some of them do tend to have some, like some of your core values. They seem to come from a religious background, which I really respect. I saw one of your videos earlier. And it's one of your recent uploads. And I'm looking at the video and it's got 2 million views. And it's a lecture on speaking out against porn. And I mean, that's, that's such an awesome thing that you can garner 2 million views and impact a whole generation of young men with these values. It's, I mean, it's unheard of. Mm. 
like the kind of views you're pulling. No, I, I appreciate that. I listen. I want to make something very clear. I am no saint. I am very flawed in, in many, many ways. Uh, but I also don't think you should trust someone who thinks they're a perfect human. So bear in mind, I am 23 years old. I grew up very, very, very quickly. You know, I feel like a grandpa in most facets of my life. But you know, I'm just still trying to figure things out. Uh, I think a lot of my passion when it comes to teaching the things that I've learned, whether you agree with my methodology is a different story, uh, comes from the fact that, you know, I grew up without a dad. And listen, you can talk about skin color. You can talk about uh, where a person grows up. You can, there's, there's so many different benchmarks you can look at. The one benchmark that time and time again sets you at a disadvantage is coming from a single parent household. And obviously single parent household most of the time means that, uh, you know, a single mother household. So I think there's just a lot of things that I painfully had to learn myself. So I think that's why I like to speak to the young men of our generation. And as I said, you know, I'm not perfect, but uh, I try my best. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, as far as talking to men, there's a reason you do that, right? You're, you're in that position. You're taking care of your mom, which is awesome. And I, we saw the video. You buy your mom a house, a, a flat, an apartment, right? Um, that must have been a massive goal, right? And, and I'm just curious how you set your goals. Do you come around to that? It's like, oh, well, maybe eventually once I have enough money and I'm in a position to buy that house, I will do that for her. Or was it very intentional where you're, okay, I will buy my mom a house within the next five years. And you tell her that. How do you go about setting those goals? No, I think it's, I told her, you know, uh, everything that's happened, I told her from day one. And I think, I think it's important that you, if you have, you know, these goals and these aspirations, I don't know if it's necessarily best to tell your friends, because I'm going to be very honest with you. Your friend today may not necessarily be your friend in three years or five years. And, you know, the world does work in funny ways as pure as you might think someone's heart is. Sometimes their heart isn't always in the right way. And, you know, with that said, your family, family can get difficult. Family can get very difficult. But at the end of the day, I truly believe that your parents always mean the best for you. So I think your family is that one section of people that if you have dreams and goals and aspirations, tell them. They probably won't believe you. You know, if you're at home and you live, you live at home with your parents right now, if you tell them, listen, in five years, I'm going to pay the mortgage off. They may not believe you, but I don't think there's any part of them that will uh, feel threatened by it or hate you or anything along those lines. So I was very intentional with telling my mom everything that, listen, I'm going to, you're going to be driving this car. You're going to have this house down to every single detail. So yeah, it was, it was a very, very big goal of mine. And yeah, I mean, that's massive. I think that's, that's beautiful. And you do talk about taking care of your mom a lot and you're very, very close with your mom. We could all tell. Um, do you have any other family that you associate with, have a relationship with? Listen, I'll be honest. It's pretty much just me and my mom. Uh, the rest of my family is in Russia. So that's where I guess family gets difficult sometimes. I do try to um, fly them out and have them visit me and my mom in Dubai. And, you know, uh, now it's a little easier that we live in Dubai. When we lived in London, it's a little bit more difficult with visas and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll be honest, it's I'm an only child. So it's pretty much just me and my mom. And I guess where I'm from in the world, not only being Russian, but 
uh, where I'm from, a place called Dagestan. It's Middle Eastern, and it's just a very if you're a if you're the only child and especially the only son, like you have to take care of your mom regardless. Well, have you had any like negative interactions with you know maybe your extended family seeing the videos, seeing the lifestyle, and reaching out for the wrong reasons? I've had. You know, I've had my biological father reach out. Uh, I've had, I actually have a couple half brothers. Uh, they've reached out, and you know, I'm not emotional about it. You know, I'm not. I have no hate in my heart. I just think, you know, if you miss out on so much of a person's life, I don't think you. If you want to forfeit yourself from the difficult times, I don't think you then get to benefit from when times are good. So as I said, you know, I'm not emotional. I'm not, uh, I don't hold any uh, hate in my heart about it, but yeah, they've reached out, but it's, uh, I don't think it's of any interest to me. Do you aspire to start your own family? hundred percent. Yeah, really? I don't know. I just couldn't never imagine myself being like 45 in the clubs doing this. Like it just, and I believe in a single family as well. I also want to make that very clear. I don't believe in, I don't believe in this whole multiple wives, blah, 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 all this. Like, I believe in a wife and a husband and a family and a nurturing home. And I think for me, and I'm, by the way, I also want to make that very clear because I've said things in the past and it's interesting. Obviously, the social media stuff has blown up a lot in the last year and a half or so. And there's... I talk in a way, a lot of times I'll, I, I say, I say things and I sensa uh, sensationalize things just cause that's kind of my way of interacting. So, so, you know, I've said things in the past, uh, uh like, uh, I, I said, I don't want to get married right now because I know for a fact I would cheat. And then people just <laughs> remove that first thing of like, yo, I'm being honest. Like that's actually a good, I'm saying I don't want to lie to a person and say that I can be monogamous right now when I just know I can't be. But obviously they just chop that up and say, I will 100% cheat when I'm in. So, you know, all that to say that I believe 100% in marriage. I think that when the time comes that I do get married and have a family, it's something that's extremely important to me. And yeah, I believe in a traditional family. We're definitely on the same page. Vlad and I got married, not to each other this year. <laughs> <laughs> we have our own beautiful wives. Um, so we're on the same page with that. I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, when, when there's a husband, wife. But I will family. say, I was confused as to where you stand. Because, again, you have those kind of uh, clips of floating around of you mm -hmm. saying that. But then we also know about the vault. I have, like, a separate vault where I keep uh, my Birkins and my Kellys. That's crazy. <laughs> and my watches for my future wife. We know you got the vault. Mm -hmm. So is that, you think that vault's going to open up anytime soon? Yeah, I think, listen, that's another thing where I think religion and your family are two things I don't understand when people put that out. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you right now that, you know, if I was married, no one would know. Uh, I just don't see the point in having a big public relationship. And, you know, when the time does come that I am married, it's not going to be something that's public. I think it doesn't need to be something that's hidden. I would have, you know, no qualms if in, th you know, three years we run it back when you guys are on episode 237 or whatever and you know i will have absolutely no issues wearing a a wedding ring but just like the relationship itself being public and out there uh, i just don't 
I just don't I don't understand why I don't understand why people want to be this like social media there's there's nothing good that social media brings to a relationship I have never ever seen a public social media relationship that has not ended in divorce uh, or if you look behind the scenes there's a lot of and there's a lot of stuff that people just would never even imagine so yeah I think listen that vault might open up sooner than I uh sooner than I imagine you know another thing I've said publicly in a previous podcast is from a young age I and I'm talking from the age of like 12 13 14 I always said that I'm gonna get married when I'm 38 maybe have kids when I'm 40 and the reason and this parlays into you know some of the clips that have gone up out there that have kind of taken what I've said out of context the reason I wanted to get married and have a family so late is because when I have a, a family, I want to do it right. Like I want to actually look at the woman I'm with and be like, this is a forever thing. I don't believe in divorce. I understand some people have difficult situations and this and that, but like, I don't, I don't go into something thinking, oh, this might end. Like if I'm making that commitment, that's a commitment for life. So, you know, that's why I always said I want to get married at 38 or 40 because I wanted to get all those years out of my system. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a lot sooner than wow, that. That's okay. For sure. Going back to your clips. Mm -hmm. So there's something interesting about that. So we've seen this, your blow up mm -hmm. through all these different clips floating online and TJ might know you from the clips, but Max and I, we know you from way back. We've mm -hmm. been, we've been watching your content for a while. In fact, we know you from, I don't know. Tell me if this rings a bell. I see money all around me. <laughs> she think of the bed. So, I'm a 17-year-old high school dropout. She see money all around me. She think of. Uh, <laughs> Do you care uh, to talk about that? Yeah, that was um. <laughs> yeah, back in uh, 20. This is the start of 2018. Okay. I think I put it live on. Yeah, I put it live on New Year's Eve 2017, going into 2018. I had a client of mine at the agency and basically they came to mine or a potential client and they came to mine, uh, came to me and they wanted me to help grow their channel, but with ads. So I'd never done it before. So I didn't feel comfortable signing them on. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'd never thought about advertising to get YouTube subscribers. So I ended up, you know, throwing together a little ad and I put it out at the beginning of 2018. And I think we were getting a subscriber for you know, half a half a dollar or a dollar back then mm -hmm. uh, in U.S. Uh, European market. So yeah, that was just at first it was a little test uh, to see uh, whether I could deliver that service for clients, mm -hmm. um, and then it <laughs> ended up turning into something that I ran personally for a while. Oh, it does really well. Yeah. I mean, we all saw it. You yeah. know, <laughs> five years later, I mean, they're sticky. You yeah. know, I still I still could picture the ad. <laughs> it worked out well. Uh, listen, I got a. Uh, it worked out okay. I got maybe a hundred hundred thousand subscribers, and then it started trailing off, and the, the ads weren't performing as well. But but then you transitioned to organic, right? Mm -hmm. how, right? How was that? That completely different demographic market. You know, you have to. Yeah. So I'll be honest. I was terrible at organic for years. Um, you know, I wish I had your number a lot sooner. I probably could have gone a lot further in that time. Uh, so from twenty nineteen. Um, I made a lot of mistakes with organic. For example, I turned off monetization 
because I just didn't like people advertising all my videos. Um, and that's a massive mistake. You definitely don't want to do that if you're trying to grow a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And I've got uh, Tristan here, who's been my head of content for f coming up on four years now. And, you know, Tristan can tell you even 18 months ago, the amount of effort we'd put into YouTube, like it was just like a side little thing. So we'd make a video, no editing or minimal editing at some point. Well, maybe back in 2019, I would just hit record, take the SD card out, like chop the beginning end bit. And that's it would go up on YouTube. But Tristan can tell you, we, uh, you know, we used to, I used to shoot a video and then on the day we would decide the thumbnail. We'd make the thumbnail in like five minutes uh, on the call, uh, on our meeting. And then we decide the title and I just didn't really give much thought to it. And in all honesty, two years ago, I was going to go off social media entirely. And it was actually my business partner and my software company that convinced me to stay on because, you know, you look at the success of companies like ClickFunnels and when you get paid to acquire a customer you're you're breaking pretty much every rule in the software game in the software game you got to take on crazy amounts of investment you know you're going to be down sixty dollars 180 dollars shit for some software companies 400 500 dollars day one and then obviously obviously your ltv will uh, adjust and account for that and then you've got companies like click funnels who are literally breaking even or getting paid to acquire a customer to uh, to acquire a customer that then funnels into click funnels <laughs> so you know when my business partner told me about that he's like listen as as one of the founders of this company you you basically have the ability to 10 20 30 x this company in the next 12 24 months and you're being so selfish that you're thinking, oh, you know, I just don't really enjoy social media. Let me just go off it. And when he kind of painted that picture, I was like, okay, I see. Fair enough. And I'm one of those people that's always quite honest about their intentions. You know, there's periods of my life where one of my favorite sayings is I don't have the appetite for that right now. Mm -hmm. And I just never really had the appetite for having a huge social media I put up one YouTube video a week. We didn't really take it that seriously. But when he said that, I was like, okay, cool. If I'm going to do this, like, let me actually do this. And I will kind of give my team the flowers and give our organization the flowers, which is there's a lot of people. Well, first of all, let me make something clear, except for like vlogs or stupid channels. We grew 2.6 million subscribers in 12 months. And that's impressive until you find out the fact that we still are growing 250,000 subscribers every single month. There's the, there's no YouTube expert on earth that can teach you that. There is no one who's had our performance on YouTube or come even close in anything to do with self-development, uh, fitness, anything except for like stupid vlogs back in 2016. No one can really compare. And the other thing is there's one thing it's one thing having success and it's another thing being able to say that I made a conscious decision that I'm going to have this outcome and I execute on a plan and it got there because there's guys, you know, uh, even guys like, um, who's that? Uh, Sam, Sam Sulik, Sam Sulik, right? Like you can't teach that. He's just authentically himself. Like he's not, he didn't come up with a plan. Like I am going to hit these numbers at this time. So he's, you know, he's, his results are incredible, 
but you you can't teach that do you know what i mean so the fact that i'll always be so proud and i'll always give my team such flowers because we sat down and we're like we're gonna hit these numbers and we're like we're gonna do this 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 and here we are could we get into that plan what do you mean because well from from the side it seems like you just went exponential out of nowhere but i know behind the scenes you guys must have been doing like a lot mm -hmm. a lot of crazy things so was there like something that was an instant switch that changed everything for you a certain strategy or anything like that i know you do crazy stuff with the thumbnails man <laughs> you get wild with those <laughs> so listen there's uh some stuff that i'll tell you off camera okay um because there's some stuff that you know i i don't necessarily believe there are certain spaces that are hyper competitive and i i don't believe in the whole like i do think at a certain point there's certain things you shouldn't share because that is your special mm -hmm. that's gone you to where you are so i'm happy to share uh, some stuff off camera but stuff that you know we do you know you mentioned the thumbnails a year and a half ago we implemented an entire team uh, and we have three full-time thumbnail people and bear in mind we only upload once a week so they're coming in every single day and there's a new split test that's being done on old videos so and for each split test they provide five options so we're getting 15 op thumbnail options for every single video and there's only one video that goes out a week but we're doing 30 rehashes every single month so i can genuinely from the bottom of my heart say that i don't need to upload for another year and i'll get 5,000 subscribers every single day guaranteed mm -hmm. so that alone is just one thing that's propped it up there's a lot of other stuff that we do uh, so i'd be happy to share give us some man uh I'll, I'll share it off camera off but camera I, okay. I, I, i'll tell you you know with other departments mm -hmm. you know i looked at when it comes to short form we get this year we'll probably finish up around three billion views on short form uh, and we have i think that department is just what, 18 20 20 people mm -hmm. so we have 20 full-time people uh who just put out short form clips so i think we're putting out seven thousand piece of content a month yeah, yeah six seven thousand piece of content a month and that number isn't impressive it's more so impressive that that's all inside an organization because you know you can put out uh, like i looked at what happened with tate and his affiliate program and that was his biggest blessing and his biggest curse blessing because he blew up curse because he blew up sometimes in a way that wasn't beneficial to his brand so i wanted to be omnipresent and i wanted to take over short form but i didn't want to do it in a way where you know i already started to see the effects of things i was saying where it was getting chopped up in the wrong way and i, I just didn't really want that so that's why we built uh, an internal team and yeah it's worked out well we get around 250 million views a month was that part of the premeditative plan like Correct. a few years ago to do short form? No, that was a plan last summer. So yeah, around 18 months ago, we implemented that. Mm -hmm. And your new, um, your new business, Educate, Educate.io, mm -hmm. is that like, are you going after masterclass? Are you going after the war room? Mm -hmm. What's going on there? I basically just wanted to create masterclass, but for hard skills. And I wanted to get the people that I respect the most on board. Um, you know, for example, we just got Jordan Welch on board. Uh, he's coming on and teaching e-commerce. The thing is, I can only teach what I've done. Um, yeah, so I can teach agency and maybe a couple other things. But also, I need to be able to teach what I've done because I've done e-commerce. 
I do seven figures a year with e-commerce, but that's not because of skill. Like that's just because I have an audience. So I, it would be wrong of me to try to pretend that like I could teach that to someone. So yeah, there's many ways to make money. Um, there's a few ways that I don't think I'll ever teach inside of educate. And quite frankly, I think it's a little immoral. I think it's a little immoral to tell beginners that they should get into crypto trading or stock trading or things like Amazon FBA and spend six grand on stock. But, you know, for example, things like e-commerce, you can get started with very, very minimal money. You know, you can get started with just TikTok and that's it and use that to validate a product. So yeah, basically educate is, you know, our, our motto is we want to have 10 times the impact on someone's income for one one hundredth the price of a college education. And that's what we do. Is the motivation behind this business, does that stem from your hatred of university? Because I've seen, again, <laughs> we talked about clips, but I've seen some crazy clips out there. Do you truly just like have a issue with university? Let me put it this way. I don't have a hatred of them because I understand why it is the way it is. I just, I wish people would I wish people would have an understanding that the only reason college is as expensive as it is, is because of student loans. If there were no student loans, the prices would be one tenth. And I am a, listen, I'm a, I try to do business as morally with morals and ethics, but I'm going to be very upfront. If, if the government came out with a scheme where anyone can get a loan for 10,000 and use that on online education, I'm telling you right now, my prices would go up. So I don't blame the universities because of course there's far more money in the market now and people can basically split up their education over 30 years or 20 years or whatever it may be. So I don't necessarily blame them for uh, their pricing. I understand why it's happened. I just want people to see it for what it is. And I think, when something year after year after year gets more expensive and the results are worse and worse and worse, you know, even at Educate in the last year, we've had 40,000 people apply to work at the company. We don't, we don't look at CVs. We've never once asked for a CV. So, you know, What's we have a, a CV. I don't know. <laughs> it's a resume, CV? right? A re resume. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, is that a CV a European thing? Yeah, yeah. Pro probably uh, <laughs> a, a resume. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and that's just the direction that things are going. And, you know, if you want to become a doctor, if you want to become mm -hmm. a lawyer, of course, you have to go to college. It's, you know, mm -hmm. there's no question about it. But I know what most people want. And most people want financial freedom. That's usually the first goal. After that, usually they want time freedom. And then after that, if they can get it, they want location freedom. And it usually goes in that order. And most people going to college, they think that they're going to get financial freedom when they won't. They think they're going to get at some point, you know, time freedom, or that's what everyone aspires to. But like, you're not going to have a job, these sort of traditional jobs and have time freedom. If you work at a law firm, you don't have time freedom. That's not a thing. Uh, and most definitely not location freedom. I just uh, urge people to ask themselves, what do they actually want in life? Can we diagnose TJ real quick? Sure. So I'm, I'm going to go to college next year, actually. So, okay. I mean, what, what are you studying? Uh, computer science. Okay. And what outcome do you want from that? 
I, I mean, honestly, it's kind of just like a something to fall back on, you know? Right now, I'm doing the, the dropshipping, all the e-commerce stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, if in case it doesn't work out, you know, then college will be the move, computer science. I'll, be out, I'll be out here coding. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, are you paying or are your parents paying? I'm paying, but it's like, it's not too much, especially the college that I'm going to, it's not too much, but yeah. Okay, interesting. I'll be honest, for me personally, it, the thing is, I don't know you well enough to know whether that's authentic to you. Like, w since when did you start getting interested in that world? In college? No, oh. in uh, when it comes to programming, coding. I was never really interested, man. Um, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, then to be, to be honest, bro, I just think it's a cop out. Like, I just you think, think so? I think honestly, you are trying to go down this path, yeah. like go loop de loops to just end up here when you could just go straight there. Yeah, but it's like uh, my parents recommend it. He recommends it, you know. Um, so it's like, should well, I listen to them or no? You know. But one thing that's really important for you to remember is the fact that your parents' advice is not going to be applicable to you and that ha has nothing to do with your parents. You need to understand that when you have kids, your advice actually won't be that applicable to them. You need to remember that in 20 years' time, when you tell your children this is the best way to do things, you are going to be wrong as well. In the same way for your parents, their parents were wrong in saying, like there's certain life principles that always hold true. You know, the way to carry yourself. The, you know, if your parents tell you how to have a happy, healthy marriage, you should listen to them. These are timeless things. But if your parents tell you this is the best vehicle, the best career vehicle to get you uh, get you to where you want, they're teaching you outdated models. And as I said, it's nothing against your parents. It's just you are going to teach your children outdated models because in 20 years time, what I think and what we experience, the truth that we lived will not be our children's truths. So you can teach them timeless principles um, but yeah, I just think, I don't know if it's necessarily wise all the time to listen to your parents for, Hey, okay. this is the best career path right now because things change so quickly. Yeah. So you're saying like a hundred percent, just put it to what I want to <laughs> do. If you, if you don't mind me asking, which is, how, how much would the entirety of your tuition be? Um, I don't think that much, probably like 10, 20 K. And how many years? Per semester. Per semester. No, no, I don't know about per semester. For four years. How much would it be? Well, let's say it costs you. 50, yeah, 50, 50 to 100. That's fair. Yeah. Overall. Tuition, yeah. In four years. I guarantee, and listen, I'm a massive proponent of online education. I guarantee that for 20 grand, you're going to blow 10. You're going to spend, if you spend over the next four years, if you spend 20 grand in online education, or let's say even 10 grand on online education, 50% of it will be a full waste. Like okay. you just be not scam, but like you'll get into it and you maybe learn a small little thing. 25%, a quarter of it will be, okay, I, I learned a thing or two. And 25% of it will be truly life-changing. And you won't know, you know, you're gonna have to buy probably a basket of things and some stuff will work and some stuff won't, but you still would have spent one-tenth or, you know, one-fifth the amount of money you spend in online education. And you have four years of experience, like four years of time. I'm telling you right now, if you were an apprentice for a company, if you were a free intern for a company for a year, the things that you would learn, as long as you choose the right company, by the way, because some companies are so bloated that you just get, you get lost. You're one of, you know, 3,000 employees and they don't give a shit about you. So as long as you choose the right company, just my personal opinion, I don't think it's something that screams out to you as a 
actual authentic passion of yours. I think whenever I hear the fallback, oh, it's something to fall back exactly. on that rings alarm bells for me. Uh, I think the only thing that you can fall back on is your skills. Like whatever you learn and nurture in the next four years, that is your insurance policy. That is your retirement fund. It's you. You are the retirement fund. Not mm -hmm. what your piece of paper says this, that, because our parents are not, they're not being malicious. It's the, the God's honest truth is that even 20 years ago, where you went to school actually was the insurance policy. 30 years ago, that was the insurance policy. If 30 years ago you went to the right college, you are set for life. That is correct. But that's not the world we live in these days. So you can't really take outdated advice and, you know, take that as gospel. So, yeah, somebody clipped that. That, that, <laughs> that was a good rant. I mean, yeah, I'll take your advice for sure. Because I was like, I was really on the edge. I didn't want to do it. I was always a hater of college, you know, yeah. back when I was younger. But then like reality kind of hit and it's like, oh, I'm 18. I have to make my decision. And then I mean, really? OK, yeah, I'll tell him. Oof, we do have to interrupt today's episode because I just got word that you want to get your bread up, you want to make some money with dropshipping, and the sponsor of today's episode, AutoDS, can help you with that. They're one of the top dropshipping order fulfillment solutions, right? They are the ones fulfilling orders for tens of thousands of dropshipping stores. So they know what products are actually selling because they're the ones fulfilling them. And so based on all of that data, they are able to compile lists of new products and add them to the winning product section of their platform where you can see them. And then on top of that, you can even see the ads people use to sell the product. Once you have some orders rolling in once you got some motion you can then use AutoDS to customize your products slap your branding on them so your customers are going to be happier and you can build something legit they'll also be happy because AutoDS can offer shipping time is much lower than other suppliers as low as like three business days on some of the product it's insane AutoDS targets all the major pain points of drop shipping in one service so you don't have to go around paying for like 10 different services and you can get a free trial today with the link in the description AutoDS automate your success <laughs> all right back to the pod also you listen you've got good people yeah, around you exactly you know and that's going to rub off on you i think if you've got if you're at the massive advantage of having good people in your circle people that can mentor you and guide you yeah, yeah i just don't see how that isn't a better route to go than you know wasting yeah. four years on outdated knowledge and quite frankly yeah. getting ripped off but then also it's like i'm not only doing college it's like like half and half you know college mm -hmm. and in business so that's also a route I was thinking of taking, but you know, I think it'd be better if I just went a hundred percent and all in into my business, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I listen, I'm not one of those people, especially when it comes to online business, I'm not one of those people who thinks, you know, <laughs> burn the bridges and just start a business and this, and that. Cause I hear like, I even have like 34 year olds ask me and they've got like a wife and two kids. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to drop everything and work on my business. I'm like, are you in, are you dumb? world are you living in you have kids like don't quit your job what are you doing you have you always have to ask yourself what do i have to lose and the beautiful position in that you're in is you have nothing to lose bro if you up for the next and this is also why i'm such a big proponent of business models where you up and it doesn't ruin you like the thing is you know this is why i'm just so against like crypto traders who are like that's how you're gonna get rich as a beginner it's like yeah you could you could also lose all your life savings and you have no skills at the end of it. Like, l listen, I've made illegal amounts of money in crypto, but I'm also, I don't think I'm an expert. I just got lucky. Like I yeah. put a million dollars into Bitcoin in November of 2020, wrote it, dropped it down, held on to it. I'm no genius, right? So if for the next three years, 
all you did was work on business. And at the end of the three years, you had made no money. The skills that you would have learned, it would have been, you would have acquired far more skills in the real world and actually being practical and being around, you know, gentlemen like you have in the room, then sitting in a classroom and learning from some outdated professor and all this. And you would also have far less debt on your hands as well. Basically, your safest bet be it has a dropshipping course, $294. You'll be all right, bro. Correct. I already have it, bro. You heard it here first. But I'm going to take that as, as financial advice. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to come right back to you and I'm going I'm to blame it all on you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, well, put, make sure to put a disclaimer on screen. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but, I appreciate the advice, though. No, my pleasure. But as I said, bro, even if you lose $1,500, like I don't mind, I don't ever care that someone tried a business and lost $1,500. Th that's okay. It's, or $2,000, as long as it's not an amount that really f***s you. For the, like, even if you lost five grand, you tried a business, you gave your all and you failed. It's how you lost it. If you spent 5,000 and you put into a crypto coin and you lost your 5,000, what did you learn from that? You took nothing away from it. Now, if you spent 5,000 and you actually tried to start an uh, e-commerce business or this business or that business, or you invested into education and then for 12 months you had no success or 18 months you had no success with the business and then three years later you have success, like at least you, you took life lessons from that. You're gonna blow the money anyways. So for me, it's never about like, failure is not something to be concerned about or, and I don't think people should expect to win in the first year. That's the other issue that like, you know, it's, it's so funny. I see comments sometimes and they're like, oh, but you, you know, you always tell people to get rich quick. And I'm like, do you watch anything I put out there? Literally like one of my biggest messages is go look at my YouTube. I've been uploading since the age of 15. I was very open and honest when I was broke. I was very open and honest when I used to take the bus to a bookstore called Brixton Bookmongers because I couldn't pay because I was reading a book a week. So I couldn't afford to 50 pounds a month on books. So instead I go to Bricks and Bookmongers and buy books for three pounds. So that way for 12 pounds, I've got my entire reading for the month. Like you can see all of that documented and you can see that I failed for a long time. There's clear as hell com uh, documentation that from the uh, time in which I got my first client to when I got my second client, seven months. Now most won't wait seven months. If they're not making $10,000 a month within seven months, they think, you know, something's wrong with them, blah, blah, this, that. Like people just need to set their expectations. If you told our parents, like, sometimes you just need to sit with someone older than you and explain that it's been, you started a business and it's been nine months and you make $3,000 a month in profit. Most people online these days, they think if they make $3,000 a month in profit within nine months, they're a failure. Go tell your parents that. Go tell an older entrepreneur you know that. Because here's what they'll tell you. They'll go, okay, yeah, so I took my entire life savings I invested into a business and after three years we were profitable. Like we we're living in loony land. We're living in a delusional world. But see, whose fault is that? Like, I feel like even I'm partly to blame. Like we're putting out these crazy numbers out there. And do you Correct. ever feel like bad about it? I think as long as it comes with a, I, I think these things are fine as long as they come with disclaimers. That's why I try to give so many disclaimers around my life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I even try to give disclaimers around the fact that I, am currently living the worst quality of life I have ever lived. My, the quality of life I had three years ago, four years ago, was eclipses this 10 times, mm -hmm. even though I was making 10 to 20 times less money. 
So even though people use that barometer of money, I like to, because as I said, I, I see a lot of people and they're like, oh, I have so much money. I'm so rich. My life is perfect. And I like to come on here and say, that, listen, if you would like to emulate my life, mm-hmm. you can feel free, but here's the drawbacks and here's the downsides. So I think as long as you are open and honest with people and you tell people, hey, for the first year, just consider it a write-off. Now, if you do end up making $2,000 a month, $5,000, $10,000 a month, because let me tell you, there's many cases of it and it happens way more than you could ever imagine. Like making money online these days, it's so simple. It's not a guarantee. It's not guaranteed to happen. You might stumble and you might trip along the way, but it's, it's, it's honestly never been easier to do it. But you got to go into it with the expectation that for the first year, I won't have any success. If you have some success, great, that's fine. So yeah, to answer your question, I, I don't think it's your fault if you set the expectation clearly that I achieved this, this is not normal, don't expect to get the same results, but here is what is more likely. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking on like putting up different kinds of content, your Instagram, man, mm-hmm. your Instagram is something else. It seems like your lifestyle is a movie. Mm-hmm. I want to know how, like how, what percentage of that is actually your life? Because we were, like we were, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, on our way over here, we were bumming a little bit. We were in the back of the Suburban eating sandwiches. And I was, we were talking, we were like, bro, would Iman eat a sandwich right here? Mm-hmm. Like this bummy uh, area. So you built up this like image of just insane high class. Mm-hmm. Do you ever just chill on your phone? Yeah, of course, bro. We last night we went to Barney's Beanery. We went to like a bar. Like I, I've I enjoy that sort of stuff far more than anything high class or this or that. Like my my favorite memories so far this year were in Nepal when we went and visited the schools out there, and we're sleeping in tents. We're spending four hours a day, you know, driving through the mountains to get to schools, and we're like you know, it's bumpy and it's uncomfortable. And, but those beautiful moments when you're on top of the mountain with just your boys and your team and you're, you know, you're drinking a beer and you're having fun. Like that's nothing comes close to that. So listen, the, the stuff I post on social media, I think a lot of people do like my rule is, and you know, I've got my head of production here as well. Like, you know, he's the one who takes all the content. Like Alex knows I will never pose for something. You won't catch me posing. I'll never set up a scene. I'll never this like if you catch it, you catch it. That's it. I'm not going to sit here and try to like look cool in front of this and that. And I think that's why a lot of people likes my content because you can tell it's like most of the time it's on the iPhone on 5X. Alex is far away from me. I don't know. He's filming. So, um, yeah, it's just it's some snapshots into my life, but I wouldn't tell anyone to go look at my Instagram and try to like take any value from it. I'm always very honest of like what platforms are valuable, what platforms are not. My Instagram is just a little random insights into my life, um, but you're not really going to get any value or substance from it. Where you're describing is still beautiful. You're in the mountains. You're enjoying time with your boys. Do you ever just sit there and scroll TikTok? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're just chilling on your phone. No, I, I <laughs> Listen, I didn't have TikTok until maybe six months ago or nine months ago. Uh, I downloaded TikTok because I, you know, obviously I was getting the stats from the team and the team were like, yo, you're getting 250 million views a month on our short form accounts. And I was like, you know what? Like I should probably download this and like figure out what this is. Um, so yeah, I, 
I've, you know, sometimes I scroll on TikTok. Sometimes I like, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I, yeah, I'm a normal, listen, I'm a normal human. You know? <laughs> See, I can't imagine that because of like the crazy, like high the doorman, the, you know, you never open your own car when door. When was the last time you opened a door? <laughs> I opened a, open, open a door all the time. Listen, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I open doors. I open doors for other people. I listen, even my team sometimes if i get out and you know i'll open the door for the team listen it just depends the situation you know sometimes obviously i've got security i've got drivers but sometimes it's just me like sometimes i wake up and i just want to go for a coffee run and i get in my car and i go to drive through and i just clear my mind with a drive so it's you know it's but yeah, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a normal human. <laughs> I think talking about it on a podcast is great because, you know, if you just hop on Instagram and you see that, mm -hmm. but you don't see this hour long, two hour long podcast mm -hmm. and you just see only that, then that's where we're confused, you know. Yeah. Makes see, sense. Have you seen it? Have you seen him open the door today? <sighs> Man, I don't know. I don't know. But he <laughs> might be lying. <laughs> that's not it is not confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you saw that rant on, on Instagram on, on the stories a couple hours ago. Um we're on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're we're active, real time. Yeah, but what's up with that? How did you just out of nowhere? I think I was in, I was in Vegas last week for F one, and obviously first time in Vegas. I'd never gambled in my life, um, and I don't know. Just I guess being in that environment, it made me, it made me quite sad to see it firsthand, and. Listen, I've been offered an eight-figure deal plus bonuses last year. Um, sorry, earlier this year for gambling. So it's something that I was aware of. And then I saw all these people promote gambling and this and that. And I, I thought I was like, what? That's so strange. Like, what addictions could you openly promote and, like, people are okay with it? Like, I, I was just thinking about if influence out there influencers out there had like drinking parties and they had three hour streams dedicated to just drinking and getting faced like that wouldn't be acceptable and then if it was a drug party like that wouldn't be acceptable so i was like why is it that gambling is the one thing that they're allowed to promote and like make it such a idealistic thing and you know it's crazy because everyone does it and i've talked openly about my respect for drake as a for, in terms of a career perspective and, you know, I've, I had some people be like, oh, but you respect Drake. And I also just want to make something very clear. You can, the same applies to me. You can respect my business career. You can ex respect my, or maybe you don't respect my business career, but you respect my stance on this. Like, you don't have to agree with the person in their entirety. So, like, I can still respect businesses uh, or Drake's longevity and not agree with the fact that I think it's whack that, and I know how much he's making. Um, you know, I have. How much? Uh, <laughs> he's you always know, trying to get bleep it out yes he's lying my... <laughs> no okay I'll bleep it you'll bleep it alright because uh, I know a lot of these people okay yes, I listen I'm, I don't agree with it whatsoever but I know a lot of these people um, he makes uh, it's a set retainer it's and, and the, the crazy thing is I look at I know what I know and I look at the Drake gambling stuff and sometimes I see him with his boys and I'm like yo that kind of looks fun and that's like me in my position knowing that like you're never gonna win a gambling yeah it's crazy i mean if it, at the end of the day it's a numbers game if like a certain percentage of gamblers will unalive themselves mm. and you just put this many people onto gambling in a way i mean no listen it is crazy when you do look at statistics and you look at there's 
certain people out there with so much influence and maybe because they'll that is actually when you think about it because they'll know through their referral link they'll know how many people they signed up so i guess statistically you also know how many people you may have had brought to that outcome so yeah that's a heavy heavy thing to live with i guess and the audience audience is so young too mm -hmm. with all these streamers there's mm -hmm. kids watching it you know no, 100 percent. did you consider the eight-figure deal no no <laughs> no i didn't because i don't want to sit here and say i'm a perfect person i'm gonna be entirely honest i don't know if i was broke and like my mom's in a difficult situation and this and that if that deal landed on my lap if i wouldn't take but it's just i've been very blessed to have a life where i've taken my career quite slow and steady. I know a lot of people who would have made a million dollars at 18 and just pissed it all away. So I've been quite disciplined uh, in general. So hungry people are very dangerous people. And I've known that from a young age that I'm a very smart person. I think if you're a very smart person and you're a very self-aware person and you're a very diligent person, but you're hungry, you're a hungry person that's you become a very dangerous person to society so that's why i always made sure that you know i was very um slow and steady with my career and i made sure that you know if the devil ever came knocking i didn't have to answer you taking it no <laughs> <laughs> i honestly realistically i mean 15 million right now in front of you well i don't have that and i probably base, wouldn't plus hopefully by, by the time i get those kind of offers i won't need that money <laughs> so i think it kind of comes with that no no way but as far as um, you say, you take your career very slow and steady, um, steady wins the race. Is that one way you avoid burnout? You know, you've been at it for such a long time. You said, you know, you didn't take content super seriously, but there are videos that you posted 2016, 17, right? It's a long time to be posting videos fairly consistently. I think anyone, if they lived a week in my life would retire at the end of the week. Like, so I'm probably a bad person to ask, how do you avoid burnout? And I think this all comes down to like the whole authenticity thing. I think at the end of the week, if someone lived my life for a week and they knew what I have, they would, <laughs> they would end the week and they go, why am I doing this? Like I could have retired. Listen, I'm sure I could have retired in 2018, but like I could, I could have like really actually genuinely retired eight figures net live off that. I could have done that two and a half years ago, two years ago. I don't burn out because I, what else would I do? So like when I get, I feel like burning out also has to do with you have another life in mind. Whereas when I'm feeling bad or I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling down, I'm not thinking like this isn't the life that I want because I know that I, I don't want to retire. Like I don't want that quiet life. Cause I said, that's just not authentic to me personally. And who knows, maybe later down the line, maybe that changes. But for right now, I'm living life in the way that's, you know, is true to kind of my character. But you have toyed around with the idea of quitting social media. Yeah, it's something that seems more and more appealing day by day. <laughs> um, and I think it's I think it's a few things. First of all, social media is ever changing. Uh, and I know that, you know, within. Listen, I know that really within three years, maybe four or five years max, like I will not have anywhere near the same relevance as I do now. And I think a lot of people, it really f a lot of people up when they have careers that are short lived 
to think that it will just keep going on forever and ever. So I know that there's, you know, a few more years where people really genuinely want to hear what I have to say. And then after that point, you've heard what I've had to say many times. And that's also why I take these long breaks from podcasts, because I don't want to come here and say the same thing again and again. And I think if you listen to my podcast even a year ago, you can tell like I've had new perspectives and who knows, maybe in a year, who knows, maybe, you know, something massive changes in my life. Who knows? Maybe I'm a father. You never know. So maybe that totally warps and changes my perspective. I think that there's something nice and poetic about going out when you're on top. I do, you know, even certain footballers, I look at them and they're playing until, and I get it, it's tough when you really, really love it. And, you know, they're playing until they're 38, 39. It's kind of like, you know, what would have been really baller? Like what would have been, been the real like gangster move? Just like go out at 33 when you're like still kind of up there. And it's like, that's, that's really cool to me. And I'm very comfortable with that because your career online or people's interest for you online is, is very short lived. Whereas your business career is something you can play for decades and decades and decades. And just because I go offline, I'm actually going to take my career 10 times hard, like my business 10 times harder because listen, don't get it twisted. If you're a social media superstar and a world class athlete, if you're trying to be the world's best tennis player, but you're also a social media superstar on the side, you are always going to be beaten by the person who is just a world-class tennis player. I am a worse business owner because of this whole social media stuff. Now, I don't, as much content as there is out there, you know, bear in mind, I actually don't spend much time on social media. I make one YouTube video a week. Uh, the short form stuff on YouTube is just like cut up stuff from stuff that's online. You know, sometimes we'll sit down and do a little Q and A session. But I spend maybe creating content online. I spend maybe, I don't know, six hours a month, like an hour a week, some of that, two hours a week max. Well, so what are your days actually like if you're not spending it on social media? A lot of calls. Really? <laughs> a lot of calls. I uh, When I was younger, I, I never used to understand when I saw successful people. And I'll be honest, even guys like, uh, you know, Gary V. I remember mm -hmm. seeing his days in the life and seeing that he has 12 meetings back to back. And I was like, that's not real work. That's like not real entrepreneurship. And here I am in a position where for the past, like really year and a half, two years, that's my life. Like my life is just back to back meeting, whether it's in person, whether it's on zoom, whether it's phone calls, whether it's, you know, calling C-suite at my different companies, uh, speaking with my family office, speaking with my internal finance team, looking over reports. Like it's, it's just a lot of managing what I have, uh, you know, meetings with private banks and uh, wealth management firms. And, you know, like, for example, all of, yeah, all, pretty much all of October was just spent studying the bond market because I've just been putting millions and millions, uh, sometimes even in a week into bonds because the yields have been so high. Um, so it's just very boring stuff where back in the day I used to look at and I'm like, that's not real business. And now kind of at the position where I am with uh, as much of a team as I have around me, it's just meetings, reports, C-suite, wealth management, legal, finance. When's the Bugatti coming? How does he know about that? <laughs> That's right the after ones, the steak bro. deal. <laughs> <laughs> um 
How does he know about that? Did you guys tell him? Um, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Well, like I said, card collection, big fan of it. I think it's very classy. Um, same with your style, your, your clothing choices. You, you kind of claim that you're a grandpa and, and you wear boring clothes. You know, I don't see you wearing anything super flashy, even though I know the stuff you wear is probably more expensive than a Gucci shirt, you know, but you don't have that Gucci shirt, you know. So how did you create that style, curate it? I think growing up in Europe helps a lot. I think that's definitely a big part of it. I think growing up in Europe helps a lot. I think uh, my friends definitely help. And I think also making a lot of money at a young age uh, helps because, I don't know, I guess you get to a certain point in life, you feel like you have nothing to prove. Uh, and you always have to wonder who do you attract with certain things. Like I know that the sort of people that I want in my life, whether that be friendship romantically, whether that be from a business perspective, they're not attracted to big labels and logos and this and that. Like that would be, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. Like if someone is in like a full Gucci tracksuit, like I, I actually wouldn't do business with him. And I'm, I'm being, I'm just, That's fair. I'm being dead serious because for me that, that person is a liability because they care too much what people think. Like even, you know, people tell me all the time, like, oh, you know, you, you try to show off or live this lifestyle or this, or that, like I, I told you, for me, it always comes back to like, I do the things that are authentic to me. I, people have started to like watches in the past few years. I've been buying watches since I was 2018. I've been buying Pateks, Rolexes, this, that, and like, that wasn't cool back then. Like, yeah, I mean, come sure. on, bro. <laughs> no, to maybe some watch collectors, but I guarantee you right now, you wouldn't have known what a Nautilus was in 2018, 2019. I mean, I don't know what it is. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> no, but you know, like the world didn't know what, until they were considered an investment like two years ago, mm -hmm. people didn't really care. Like really most people had no idea if you're wearing a Patek, but I was buying up watches because like that was just one of my hobbies. Horologies was one of my hobbies. Whereas like, in 2018, people really cared if you had cars. I did not build a car collection until this year because until this year, I just actually didn't really care or have much of a use for it. Like for me, cars were transportation vehicles. And if I wanted to have a car that was the most impressive to people, I would buy like a Lamborghini or this or that. But it's just not authentic to me. And I would just rather kind of like, that's why I like all my cars as well are two-tone. Like they're black and gray. Like I just want to, just yeah like you know I, I could buy a super crazy this that show off car like that's why i like my gt3 it's just it's just simple it's you know it's and in dubai i will say i can be a little bit more flashy like in london it's range rover every single day like in london if you have a car outside of a range rover like you're you're just drawing unnecessary attention to yourself and in a place like london just not worth it do you have any crazy fan encounters yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'd say there's probably five to 10 people a day that try to come to my house. Uh, even though it's, I live in a gated community. I live on an island, technically. Uh, and I, you know, I have, recently we actually just built an outpost outside my house. So I, my security lives in my house with me. Um, so I have security that lives in, and my, you know, my house is like a fortress with the cameras and yeah, a lot of stuff that I can't say on camera, but uh, um, but now we even have an outpost with 24-hour security patrolling my house, and it's like, yeah, I 
I guess that definitely is some of the drawbacks of social media and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'd say five, 10 people a day trying to come to my house. I've had people uh, dress up as del uh, delivery drivers, like Uber Eats drivers to like get in past the gate, like sneak in. I've had people forge DMs back and forth, like Photoshop to say like, no, 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 he, he said I can come in. And all this stuff goes to my security anyway. So sometimes like I, I don't see it, but like sometimes like Axel just tell me the stories of things that go on. Like I've had people swim to my house. Um, just yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but when it comes to sort of like in-person inter, and the thing is, I know that like they're not bad people. Like I don't, it's it's more so flattering than anything that like you've changed someone's life to a point where they just like because if people kind of overstep the mark which sometimes people do and that's why as well i think a lot of people don't understand why i have security i don't have security because like i would be more than happy to have no security and roll around the street without any watch or this like i, I don't give a i don't have security because i have someone trying to kill me i'm not a big mobster gangster blah blah this because like, if you're in that position by the way you're an idiot like if you're in a position in life where people are out to kill you, like you are, you have failed so monumentally that you're gonna have to look over your shoulder if someone wants to, like, so there's nothing cool about living that kind of lifestyle. The reason I have security is because of honestly, like external and fan interactions. 99.9% .9 of my interactions are super positive. Every once in a while, like, you know, maybe every hundred, one out of every hundred fans just kind of oversteps the mark you know just um as i said for me a place of worship uh if i'm praying that's just like one place like i just want to be human like don't record me uh if i'm small things like if i go for a run uh you know especially there's certain hot spots like cape town where i'm getting stopped every two minutes and like i actually stop my run I, I, gladly i'll stop my run and take a photo just like once it starts getting into like the three, four minutes of conversation, I'm like, I am actually running. Like I'd be more than happy to do this normally. And that's where security is good because, you know, we have a specific sign. We have like seven or eight different signs and gestures I do, which means different things um, to varying degrees. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, it just, I don't have to be the bad guy and cut off a conversation and blah, blah. You know, I kind of have my team that takes care of it. So. You speaking yeah. in code to them? Yeah, I do. Certain interactions, sometimes even like, I'll be honest, even sometimes females are a little, can be a little too much. Oh, man. Poor you, you poor thingy. No, no, no. It, it, sounds, it sounds bad, but like, I'll give you an example. If you ever see me in a photo with a female, I will never, ever put my arm around them. Like, for example, if it's a guy, like, and he puts his, like, uh, uh, arm around my shoulder or back, like, no issues. You know, I have no, uh, no problems with that. My security has no problems with that, but like, a female, I will never touch a female in a photo. Um, yeah. So sometimes I'll be mm -hmm. honest, sometimes females can be a little too forward. I don't blame him. <laughs>